Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk, and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the Renault, Dacia, and Opel range. Whether it is a petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid, or electric, we have the perfect car for you. See BlackstoneMotors.ie. Welcome to Late Lunch on this beautiful, beautiful Tuesday afternoon. Hope your day is good. We're with you for the next couple of hours. Lots of chat, music and more besides on the show today. Yesterday I was talking about door coverings and I was delighted with the response I got because people remember them and they were still coming in when we finished up yesterday. Danny was on to say he remembers them for sure, but... They were only used on certain homes. Danny believes it was a status thing if you had a cover on your door to protect the paint many moons ago. Mary was on to say, yes, I remember seeing those colourful canvas door covers. That's when we had a lot of hot summers, Jerry. On a separate note, I've just been stung by a wasp right on top of him and he stung the daylights out of me. Can you or any of your your listeners tell me what to use for a wasp sting? Now, look, it applies. That was late yesterday. It's today. But wasps will be around and proliferating over the coming weeks and months. Um, Mary used aloe vera, but still found it very, very painful. A wasp sting. Can you help us? What's your best remedy if you're stung by a wasp? I know what it'd be if you can get the sting out because they leave the sting and the bee dies. The wasp can sting you multiple times and still live. There's no issue with those guys. They really will give you a hammer in and live on. Wasp stings. Folks, can you help us today? 086-1800-658-1857-15958. The second number there you call in on WhatsApp or text me. 086-1800-658. If you have a magical cure or something that helped you when you were stung uh, by a wasp. I remember TCP. I don't know whether listeners would remember TCP. Do they still sell it? Perhaps they do in the shops, but that was the go-to in our home when we were younger. Rub the TCP in as quick as you can. The smell of it. Oh, I can still smell the TCP, even though it's years since I've come across it. Anyway, if you can help us, I'd appreciate it on the show this afternoon. Now, what's coming up? My Artists of the Week are Blondie this week. We'll be hearing more about them and a cracking song too. The four-day week, yes, It's going to be trialled here in Ireland and in other countries as well. A four-day working week for no loss of pay. Ice Group are in that particular mode already. They operate a four-day working group. And we're going to talk to their marketing manager, Tom Cranley, about how it's going for them. Darren O'Brien's with us. He's a camper van enthusiast. And, you know, it's staycations. Well, the thing it looks like for this year, again, many people are looking at 
the uh, whole area of uh, camper vans and uh, buying them or converting. Anyway, Darren's with us a little bit later on. The Malins, Garrett and Sarah are also with us with the show. Their family lives with a rare genetic heart disorder and we're going to hear all about that as well don't forget if you want to get in touch 086-1800-658 WhatsApp or text we missed him last week we did but he's back with us today I'm delighted to welcome again to Late Lunch Professor Paul Moyne hello Paul Good afternoon Jerry thank you for joining me well the break gave us a, a little bit of a build up in terms of what's happening talk to me about this Delta variant because there's a lot of chat about it today and real concern in that in the last week, uh, it's accounting for up to one in five, 20% of cases reported. Should we be worried, Paul? Well, we're probably seeing, Jerry, as far as has happened elsewhere with the Delta variant. This was originally called, it was originally identified in India, so the Indian variant, so it's now called the Delta variant. Um, so it's, it's actually most, the vast majority of the cases, probably 98, 99% of cases now in the UK are this Delta variant. Uh, we, about 20% of our cases, or the Delta variant, but I think inevitably what will happen, what has happened in the UK and what has happened in some other countries, it will become the dominant variant. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any way of stopping that. We might be able to delay it, but I don't think there's any way of uh, stopping it. I guess one of the main concerns in relation to the Delta variant is its increased transmissibility. It transmits better than the variant that we had this time last year, and it transmits even better than the UK or the Alpha variant that transmitted even better than the original variant. So we're looking at a situation where originally last year we were looking at the virus and it had an O value of maybe around three. This one could have somewhere in the region of six to eight. So it's much more transmissible. In terms of hospitalizations, in terms of serious illness, there's some suggestions you may see an increased hospitalization, not so much an effect on uh, deaths. With respect to vaccines and vaccines being able to protect against the variant, vaccines do protect against the variant. There may be some cases where the variant may be able to infect post-vaccination, but in the vast majority of cases, that vaccine will protect you from getting uh, very sick. So should we worry? I don't think we should, certainly shouldn't panic in any way, uh, Jerry. but we obviously need to be, you know, a good surveillance. Um, but in terms of vaccines, escape from vaccines, I think the vaccines are doing a really, really good job in terms of protecting us. And we're vaccinating now around about 300,000 people a week, which is fantastic. We really are getting there. But I see Dr. Tony Holohan uh, today uh, on Twitter just saying it's really important that people who are not fully vaccinated continue to follow the public health advice. And this includes people who are waiting for the second dose of AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. Look, Paul, it's not hearsay. I can tell you for a fact that uh, in a local pub here, I do know that uh, on foot of a night out last week, there's about 30 cases among young people of uh, COVID, you know, an outbreak from a situation like that. And we're hearing that in certain schools, there's clusters of it as well. Is there a danger like, you know, that people are dropping their guard maybe a little because the vaccination is going well, the vulnerable categories are uh, getting there in terms of complete vaccination? Is, is that a concern? probably a concern. If you, if you look at the cohorts that have been vaccinated, they're really well protected and those those numbers are going way down. If you look at the age cohort 19, maybe the 24, that's the age cohort where the highest number uh, of cases are, are present currently. So I think that's what we're looking at now. We're looking at cases and people who've not been vaccinated. So obviously they're the cohort that needs to be uh, more careful. Um, I guess on the positive side, Jerry, if there is a positive side, the fact that the virus is now predominantly in the younger population and young, younger people are more resistant to the virus in the sense that 
less likely to get severe COVID. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they can continue to transmit the, uh, the virus and that will propagate the virus then over time. So uh, obviously there are risks there are risks there in terms of transmitting the virus, in terms of if you, if you were to get a large number of people infected, even though the percentage of people who will end up hospitalised or getting very ill uh, from this uh, variant, even though that percentage may be very low, if the numbers were to become very high, obviously a, a percentage, a small percentage of a large number is still quite a significant mm. number. Um, so we just need to be careful there. I guess, Jerry. But overall, yeah, we do still need still need to be cautious. But I think within reason and recognising the fact that the vaccines have given us such good uh, protection. But if you haven't been vaccinated, obviously you're still at risk. So it is it is important to be aware of that. Yes, and and take uh, the necessary precautions that have been advised for well over a year now. Just a question there for you: Can you ask Paul, Jerry, how long after my second AstraZeneca jab am I fully vaccinated? Probably about two weeks after that, Jerry, you, you actually get some protection after your first uh, dose. So within about three weeks after getting your first dose, you generate antibodies. Public Health England have been leading on this in terms of giving us out figures with respect to how well you're protected. So in terms of being protected from symptomatic infection, some people get a little bit worried that, you know, to be uh, vaccinated with the AstraZeneca, that you get about 33%. That's 33% protection mm. from symptomatic infection. The protection against serious illness and hospitalization is much higher then when you get the second dose, you get the second dose that goes way up into the into the 90s. So probably about two weeks. I'm not sure the exact, but it's probably around two to three weeks after you consider to be uh, fully vaccinated and fully protected. I look at the numbers and I remember a week speaking to you and the numbers were really concerning. 284 cases yesterday, 53 in hospital and only 13 in intensive care. They're certainly moving in the right direction. I think I asked you this before, but I see it doing the rounds again booster jabs this year and beyond they appear to be on the agenda probably will Jerry for maybe a couple of different reasons not so much in terms of immunity waning so the reason why we tend to have boosters would be because maybe our immune uh, response is waning it's dwindling over time really good news on that so far people who've been previously infected with a virus or vaccinated immunity seems to last for at least probably a year and probably longer but obviously we're faced with variants that when we get vaccinated we're vaccinated with a specific spike protein and that spike protein can change in the variant so then maybe some of the variants can escape not entirely the immune response but some of the immune response so in that sense yes the companies are looking at re-engineering their vaccines so that the vaccines are more tailored towards the specific variants that are prevalent so for example the delta variant now some of the companies will already be designing vaccines to be tailored against that specific uh, vaccine, against that specific uh, variant, excuse me. Um, so, yes, we probably will be looking at that. But uh, in terms of immunity and the lasting effect of immunity, that seems to be good news in the sense that our immunity seems to last for some time. So we probably may be getting some boosters that may uh, be tailored against specific variants. Mm. Similar. Thing, Jerry, yeah, the other good thing I should say, Jared, Jerry, is if you're vaccinated and let's say you're re- you're exposed and possibly infected with one of these variants, your immune system will be triggered. You probably won't get very sick, but to become immune to that variant as well. So the vaccines are really, really important in terms of your initial exposure to any of the variants that will trigger an immune response. If you're vaccinated, you don't get very sick, but then you also get immunity against that variant. Similar, you know, the flu uh, jab changes each year. And while I'm on that, you know, uh, uh, the flu... 
last year in Ireland, the, the incidence of it were, were was small, I have to say, uh, and lot, there was good take up as well, of course, in the vaccine. But it, it showed us that you know by not mixing in social circles, by doing the hand thing and wearing the mask, it had a big effect on that too. What about the flu jab this year? Ju- just as an aside, because September, I'm sad to say, will fly around at this stage. And um, is that something that you know it, it will be as important as ever to have? I think it will be, Jerry, because it depends, I guess, in terms of what restrictions are in place. You, you mentioned correctly there that the incidence of flu has almost disappeared this year. I think one of the reasons there is if you look at the R value, so that old value for a virus is if you're infected, I mean, the more people will you infect. So the present variant now are probably looking at between six and eight. But if you look at flu, its R value is around one and a half, two. So the restrictions in place have brought that way below one. And that's probably the reason why there's been very, very little flu. So it depends what happens now in the winter time. If we go back to more sort of normal living where the restrictions are not as strict as they have been, then obviously flu is likely to, to increase. The other thing I will say there, Jerry, is like what we've just done in the last year, 15, 15 months, is unprecedented in the sense that you know we've essentially kept away from each other. Children haven't really been exposed to the viruses, not only the influenza virus, but also rhinovirus, very other respiratory viruses. We've never done this before on this scale. And normally our immune systems are educated from year to year and viruses can change slightly from year to year. So we don't know what the consequence of that is. It's sort of an experiment that has never been done before. And will there be unintended consequences? I don't know. But for example, in Australia, in their summer, they had quite a heavy outbreak of another respiratory virus called the rhinovirus, which is more prevalent in children. Again, so now whether that's related to the fact that we we, we entered into this very extreme, you know, social distancing. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens over time on that. But certainly I think it will be important to continue to get the, the flu vaccine. I think that'll be really important. And again, to a degree from year to year, we guess in terms of designing the new vaccines because fact, flu changes even more than this coronavirus. And that's the reason why we need to change that vaccine every year. So definitely I would still be recommending, yes, to get the flu vaccine. I have to say since... We started speaking and we've spoken more or less every week for a long time now. This is now following the path that you predicted in summertime. You said the cases would fall and the numbers in hospital and intensive care would retreat for a number of reasons, weather included and uh, many other things. Um, are Are we looking at a time, Paul, do you think that we're on top of this? I think so, Jerry. Yeah, I, I think if you look at the, I've always thought that there was a seasonality. I think some of the data now coming out actually is is confirming that. And some people think seasonality just means it completely disappears. That's not the case. Seasonality is a situation where the transmissibility of the virus decreases at certain times of the year and increases at other times. So I think we're at a stage in the year now where the transmissibility is probably at its lowest. If you recall last year, the virus almost mm. disappeared. But we're looking at a variant that was only half the as transmissible as the present one. So I think if we had the variant from last year now, our numbers would be a lot, lot lower. And the reason why even we're in the hundreds now is because this variant it transmits really well. I think we're getting close to... I don't think it's ever going to disappear, Jerry. And I don't mean to say that in terms of scaring people. I think this is just what viruses do. We will end up where they become what's known as endemic. They will be there in the background. And then at different parts of the year, especially during the winter months, you will have some outbreaks. But thankfully most of us will be vaccinated. And if we're vaccinated, that's going to give us most protection so that we won't get uh, very sick. And I think that's what's going to happen. But we tend to look at this at a very local parochial level within our country. It's a global problem. It's a global pandemic. 
there are many countries there where vaccination hasn't really started as of yet. So the entire vaccination program, whilst it may be you know really advanced for us in the coming months, for other countries it'll only be starting. So we're still at risk in terms of, and there will be new variants, Jerry. That's absolutely no doubt about that. There will be new variants, but the fact that we've been vaccinated. Uh, gives us really good protection. But I think we're moving towards a stage where it will become endemic and you will see some outbreaks during winter months. Some people will get sick, some people will die, but those numbers are considerably, considerably reduced because of the vaccination programme. And we will end up, I never like comparing with flu because that generates lots of commentary in terms of comparing the two. But in terms of respiratory viruses, being seasonal and having outbreaks during the winter months, I think we'll probably see that, but at least we'll be able to get back to, to more normal living. Just before we finish today, you mentioned the word global and so many people are hanging on and waiting and hoping, will I, won't I? You know what I'm going to talk about, travel and whether people should travel or not. 19th of July was sort of a, a marker date. And again, you know, there was great hope for the industry, travel agents, airlines, etc. And that seems to have been dashed with changes abroad. This year, 2021, we all thought there'd be an opportunity or maybe still later in the year, but now it's actually looking like next year. What are your thoughts on that? I think there probably will be the opportunity this year, Jerry. Like, you know, we're looking for the 18th of July, we're looking at introducing, well, you know, in terms of the the, the rollout of the EU uh, digital uh, COVID cert. Um, I think that will probably happen. Uh, there is this added risk, obviously, of the Delta variant. But the reality is, you know, the variant is already here. I think it's very, very difficult to stop its import. And especially now, if you look at levels and numbers, you know, in Northern Ireland and across that land border, you know, there, there are going to be cases coming down here. Uh, so I think it's going to be very, really difficult to control that. So I think we're moving towards a situation with the with the digital cert where I think travel will be permitted. And obviously then, you know, people will require to be vaccinated be able to show indication of prior infection and recovery or be able to show a negative test of some sort. So I think that's how we're moving. I think that's probably the right way as well, Jerry. and you know, using the technology to let us to get back to some degree of normal living. We, we can go down the road of the precautionary principle and being very, very cautious, which is OK. But you have to look on the other side in terms of what the risks and damages associated with that. And you know, we've already seen from an economic perspective in terms of aviation some companies, you know, obviously going into liquidation. And so, you know, there's many considerations there, but I think to get a balance and about all of this, there are only trade-offs. It's very difficult to go to extremes and say there's nothing without risk. But I think we're probably getting to the stage where we're beginning to look at trade-offs and trying to get a balanced approach. So I think will there be travel? I think there will be travel uh, and the lifting of the non-essential travel. I think that will take place probably later this, in the coming weeks. But we will wait and see. I guess it depends as well. If if we'd major increases in numbers in the Delta yes. variant and numbers were to increase very, very significantly, they may look at that again. Paul, as usual, fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me on the show again. More than welcome, Jerry. Anytime. Take care. Professor Paul Miner there, Head of the Department of Biology, Director of the Human Health Research Institute at Maynooth University. You can always rely, Louise, on late lunch listeners to come up with the goods, can't you? And you have a problem. When you have an issue, ask us and we'll ask them. Why, word almighty, the, the sting, the wasp sting. When I look at the responses, I think we, we'll have a... Top of the pops, the countdown in the charts, OK? But I think certainly at number one, Louise, look at all those messages. You'd have to say, onion.
Rubbing onion. an onion on it. I've huh? never heard that before. Yeah, rubbing an onion. There's lots of people have said to mm. us that a raw onion rubbed on a sting does the business. And the other one, I'd keep it for me fish and chips. Vinegar. Vinegar. People are, aren't they waxing lyrical there? But they, Is it ordinary with vinegar? Yes, just ordinary vinegar. White or brown vinegar from the bottle. Lash it on it there. The vinegar one is Mary, Jean, Ollie all say vinegar. More, there's loads of them there besides on the vinegar one. So vinegar or a raw onion. Sheila Maloney's been in touch. Hello, Sheila. Great to hear from you. She agrees with Mary, who was stung. Mary was using aloe vera and Sheila says, juice or sap from the aloe vera plant is excellent or germaline do you ever remember germaline no I've, I do I've heard of germaline it was a cream that you put on I don't know whether it's available anymore but germaline yes thank you Sheila was a very good one I remember when I was a child my mother used to rub this kind of I think we covered it before but I can't remember the name of it it's like a little it was like a little dark blue purpley bag right I think it was something used in washing or something but my mother just wet it and rub it on the sting and we were fine after it. Uh, blue stone. There's a thing called blue stone. Oh, this was like a bag. A yeah. small bag. I, well, I, let's let's see what we, we get from our listeners again. Are we talk, Do you remember the little blue bag, folks, it's for like the sting that Louise is talking about? deep purple bag. You know, that kind of colour. Maybe I, I'm way off the mark. Something says blue stone in my mind. What are we talking about here? Does it ring a bell with anybody? 086 1800 658 like WhatsApp or Texas. Tied at the top. Yes, no, I can. I, I know I can see the thing you're talking about as well. 1850 715 958 if you'd like to call in. Listen to this from Maura. Hi, Jerry. I can't live without my TCP. There you mm-hmm. are. It's getting very hard to get lately. I think I picked it up in Tesco last. Uh, I'll make a present of a bottle of it to you. I'll leave it in. <laughs> oh, the smell oh, in there. Y- yeah, but you know what? It does what it says on the tin. There might be a smell of it, but it does the job for sure. And Maura still swears by it. Uh, and, and, you know, years ago, there was a thing called a gobber leave. Did you ever hear of a gobber leave? No. A leaf, a gobber leaf. If you were out and you got like stung by leaf? nettles. Yes, a dock leaf. We think we call them gobber leaves. But if you got a sting, you'd wet it and you were out and put it on it. Do you ever remember that? I remember the dock leaves. Yeah. 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 So they were docks and I think... For the we, nettle stings. Yes. Only. Yeah, only for nettles, yeah. yeah. Dock leaves or gobber leaves, I think we used to call them as well. Anyway, there'll be plenty of stinging and stunging over the next while with wasps and bees and nettles and everything else. Thank you for your assistance. Always appreciated. Coming up on Late Lunch After Two, we talked to the Malian... The Malins, Garrett and Sarah, their family lives with a genetic heart condition. But taking us to news and weather at two o'clock. Oh, we're going back, aren't we? Ah, oh, come on. When I start, hold on. I'll start the clicking, will Sing I? Sing the intro there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Let it go. Guess you What a success it was at the weekend. Our first Saturday sets here on LMFM Radio on our Facebook page. And we go again this Saturday with some of the region's very best talent. This time it's Dundalk singer-songwriter Finian. He released his first album, his debut, to great acclaim last year. And he'll play some of those songs for you on Saturday. That's Saturday sets with Finian live this coming Saturday from 9 o'clock on our LMFM Facebook page. The four of us were great last Saturday. They really were. Uh, make sure you tune in this Saturday. That young fella is a real talent in the making. Now, back to your comments for a moment. Uh, Germaline, we mentioned for the stings. Be Pantaseptic uh, is the new name for that, says Sheila. I think, Louise, we have the name for your little blue lad in the bag for the sting, do we? Do we? What is it there? There's Gent- a load of people. Gentian Violet. 
Does that ring a bell, yeah. Jenny? Well, the violet does. I knew it was that kind of colour. Phil was on from Dunleer to tell us about that one. There's another suggestion, actually. Um, could it be Ricketts Blue? Remember Ricketts in Castle Bellingham used to whiten laundry and sometimes the colour... something got to do with laundry. Could it be that Ricketts Blue there coming in from Mary this afternoon? There's a couple of suggestions. Gentian Violet or Ricketts Blue for it a sting, anyway, folks. It worked, it did it? Yeah, it, <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I don't know whether you can still get it, though. Um, haven't, wouldn't have heard about it in years. Well, what I suggested a while ago, so that was nonsense altogether. I don't know what came into my head uh, uh, about that one. Did I ever tell you the time I was fishing on the River Boyne and I, it was for sea trout late at night, always dark, and I was coming up through the woods in Oldbridge, walked on a wasp's nest. <laughs> now there was still a bit of light in the sky it was this time of the year they stung me <gasps> everywhere I mean everywhere I charged out of it and I got in the car and drove straight to the hospital oh, well. <laughs> with me waders and fishing gear and I'd fish oh, and everything but the, I, an I had to get an emergency injection yet yeah, for the amount of stings yeah. and treatment for it. they were stuck and matted in me hair, when I had hair in my head and everything oh don't talk about it yeah. anyway it was an experience you have to put a bottle of vinegar now in the <laughs> car and bring it everywhere <laughs> They'd think I was a chip. All I need is the salt then. I'd be elected. Anyway, I was lucky on that occasion. Anyway, if you can uh, throw any more light on the blue stuff for the stings, let us know. 86 658 WhatsApp or Texas. You're great. You really are. We move on on the show. It's rare enough. One in 7,000 people, they reckon, may have it. And you see, they're not sure about this because many, many people go undiagnosed. What am I talking about? It's a genetic heart condition called Long QT Syndrome. And I'm going to tell you that we're going to talk to uh, parents of three children now. And it's in the family. A number of the family members have this. I'm delighted to say hello again to uh, Gareth Mallon. We spoke to him in the last year. He's an award-winning goldsmith and jewellery designer from Carlingford. And his lovely wife, Sarah. Of course, don't I know her well from the local enterprise office in Loud. The Mallons are with us on Zoom. Gareth and Sarah, Hello. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm grand. God, you never, Sarah, you never know where you'd be talking. It's a good job I said nothing about you to himself when you were here. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're both welcome to the show. Anyway, there's Gareth and Sarah and you have three children. And Sarah, it's you and two of the children have this. Yes, um, I um, I'm genet- genetically carry it. I didn't know this when I had my three children. And actually, we were first diagnosed when... Our youngest child, Dushing, was eight and he was starting to have dizzy spells and uh, uh, describing palpitations, but very hard for somebody that young to describe them. But the teacher actually flagged it up to me and we took him for some tests and we were monitored for a year down in Crumlin, but nothing really untoward shown. And then he was nanny one time and I asked for a copy of an ECG to take down to Crumlin. And when I went back, they saw an immediate red flag and sent us for genetic testing. And from that, then I tested positive. And my eldest son, who was 14 at the time, and my daughter doesn't have it. But it was like Pandora's box because my father was diagnosed at 70. And my sister was in her 40s as well. Well, and then her daughter and then just it went right through the family so there's a 50 50 chance of genetically inheriting it but it was from nearly the youngest member in the family we found out we had it so isn't that um, remarkable really the youngest that the symptoms emerged and just tell just for our listeners because this may ring a bell with people because i said you i don't have to tell you to this there's a lot of people have this and are walking around with it and don't have a clue what they have those symptoms you mentioned dizzy spells what else 
Yeah, well, traditionally, uh, it could be maybe feeling heart palpitations or passing out. And a lot of people actually are diagnosed as epileptic, but actually they have long QT. And that would be the main symptom would be if you black out or pass out for no apparent reason. And. Um, and just yeah dizziness and palpitations but unfortunately for a lot of people the first sign is actually when they have a cardiac arrest mm. and um so we actually consider ourselves quite blessed that we know we have it now at the time it didn't seem like a good diagnosis but we know we have it and we can try and protect ourselves but that's just it i mean often you hear of people young people particularly on sports fields and that side of things or unexplained drownings and that can be they've just had a cardiac arrest and that can be the first symptom of it mm. and, and and likewise on an ecg you know we've had multiple ecgs it's never been picked up but it was just from one ecg that then led to the genetic testing so it's quite a hard thing to pin down yeah, and uh, the the reason we're talking, of course, Christian Eriksen's sudden cardiac arrest has brought a lot of things uh, to light in, in the aftermath. Uh, we were talking about the defibrillators last week uh, and a life saved in Black Rock and County Loud a, a few years back. Uh, Garrett, to, to come to yourself, um, you know, this unknown until your youngest is diagnosed and now you have your good wife and two children in this situation. Did it change life for, for you and everybody else when you got the diagnosis? Well, it did. Yeah, totally. Um, well, we were in a state of shock for quite a long time and um, trying to get our heads around the whole thing. And um, the kids had to stop playing all sports, couldn't swim, couldn't do anything. Um, but now over, over the years, it's um, they've gradually been allowed to, to do different things and um, they can play golf. Um, and the youngest guy, he went back and he was playing a little bit of football. But He's only allowed to play football if I'm there with a defibrillator, which mm. I never ever want to use, you know. But uh, but uh, to let him live his life, um, this is what we have to do, you know. And and I'm sure that extends into all aspects of, of life. I I think of school mm. and college, and you'd have to be sure that defibrillators and people have the knowledge there to to deal with any emergency. Yeah, because I, 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 we actually bought a defibrillator our, ourselves to have here, but um, it had a massive impact whenever they were diagnosed. I had to change my working hours because people were scared to have the children over in their house in case they'd have an arrest. And, yeah. you know, it dictated what Gale Talks they could go to because we could only go to ones where they had a defibrillator. And I have to say, in fairness to Bush post-primary, and um, where the two boys went, um, they have been superb and they fundraised and bought their own portable defibrillator so that even going to trips on the bus, somebody had to be trained or sitting exams. Oshin's just finished his leaving cert and there had to be somebody sitting with a with a defibrillator trained when he was sitting any exam. So, yeah, things like that. It, it, it just meant a lot more organisation for mm. anything and everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was quite ironic. The, the year previous to us getting the um, finding out about the kids, um, our local GA club, and um, we were raising funds for the Cormac McAnallen Trust um, for defibrillators, um, so we could raise money for our club and and Cormac McAnallen Trust, um, and and then we had to go and get one ourselves the following year. God, yeah, mm. a real irony on that that it it would be on your doorstep. So really, I'm trying to visualise your lives now, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. That everywhere you go, a defibrillator goes with you. 
Uh, yeah, more more, more or less, less yeah. yeah. And even um, when the eldest fellow went to college, he's through it now. You know where he was living, just to make sure there was a defibrillator nearby. And yeah, even even the types of holidays we could take for a while were affected because dehydration is a big thing actually. Um, for to, once you know you have it, you know to make sure it's actually all down to do with potassium. That's where it comes from, and you have to watch you don't get dehydrated. So we couldn't go anywhere really hot, and you know we tried to take a defibrillator in the plane. We went on a family holiday to go once, and oh my goodness, the paperwork! Mm. Um, they wouldn't let us keep it up on the seat with us. It was down in the hold, which obviously was of no use to us if any of us had an event. I think we went on a flight, and there were seven of us at Long QT. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it 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 does tend to dictate a lot of what you do but in saying that night we're all living well with it yeah and you can take a lot of steps to protect yourself and and um, once you know and you talk to other people as well that are living through the same thing that does help so you mentioned uh, hydration there being a big thing potassium levels anything else that can help and um, sorry i'm trying to answer a lot of this just because i suppose i i, I live with it but more um yeah. The medication, there's a massive problem with drug medication uh, or interactions. Some standard antibiotics could actually elongate the QT interval and could cause an arrest. So um, we have to be very careful what we take in relation to medicine. So there is an app called Credible Meds. And so we all have it and we all have it on our phone. So every single drug that we get, whether it be herbal, whether it be anything, you have to check that this can't cause a reaction. So there's lots of medication to be can't take, but we check it. So, mm. so they're the steps that you really take. And we all take beta blocker medication. And once you're beta blocker compliant and you're hydrated and you watch your medical um, interactions, that's as much as you can really do. I'm mm. just... Hope. hope. Yeah, look, at we all hope every day. God knows what lies ahead for any of us, really. But yeah. there you are. Isn't that interesting that with drugs and medicine that help so many people, you've got to be careful. Incredible Meds is that app just uh, for anybody yeah. listening to us yeah. uh, today. Garrett, you've received as a family, I know, wonderful support from the Irish Heart Foundation. And, and you've returned that support with this uh, beautiful collection, the Irish Heart Collection yourself. Uh, well, I just thought that... Uh, the, the help that they've given us over over the last 10 years um, has been fantastic. Um, and they're there anytime you want to talk to them, they're there. So I thought it would uh, be very good if I did something for them and just give a little bit back. Um, so I've I've designed a range of jewellery called the Irish Heart. Um, and it's sort of a little gold heart cocooned inside the pendant. Um, and that was sort of, that represents... The feeling that we got uh, from the help that they give us, you know, um, so a percentage of my sales are going back to the Irish Heart Foundation, but it's 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 particularly to help um, the parents um, the patient support group mm. within that, yeah, which is vital. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you're talking to me today is. So enlightening, I have to say, for myself. I'd never heard of this before. I, I never understood what it's about. I certainly do today. And, and I do know, I, I say again what I said at the beginning, there are a lot of people going undiagnosed with this. What would you say, Sarah, to anybody who maybe, you know, has experienced maybe a little faintness, that uh, rhythm on the heart, anything like that? Just the, the message has to be, hasn't it? Go get this checked. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I have to say for us initially... 
the ECG showed nothing, but I suppose as a parent, it was a gut instinct as well that there just wasn't something right. It wasn't right for a child that age to be feeling that. But, you know, I was in my 40s when I was diagnosed. Too. Yeah, if you have unexplained fainting, fainting or back spells or palpitations or that or dizziness, to just go to your GP and they should refer you to go to... Um, you know, be checked up by a cardiologist. I mean, I have to say we are blessed in Ireland with the superb medical staff that work on this field. There's the um, the Heart House in the Matter where we attend. Mm. There's Crumlin that looks after the children and there's Cry as well. And uh, there's lots of other places all around the, the country, but they're the ones that I'd be most familiar with. And they do full family screening and um Generally, they wait until maybe one can be diagnosed before they might do more genetics. But um, there is a lot. There, there's a lot of help out there and a lot of um, screening. You will see a lot of Gaelic clubs will do some screening, and, mm. and sometimes things can be picked up on that that just wouldn't be just from one ECG. But definitely, if somebody's feeling that, I would go and get it checked, and then they'd probably be referred on to a cardiologist. It's a hard one to get, but yeah. to catch, but. Um, if you do feel something unusual, I'll definitely follow your gut instinct. Sure thing. And uh, go and get a check no matter what age. Garrett, your uh, doors are open again, welcoming people in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, delighted to be back open. Um, the soul has come back to the place. Um, it was a soulless place for a long time there. Um, yeah, no, it, it's great. There's a, People are slowly but surely coming back to back to the area. Mm. Um, I think it'll, it'll get a lot more busier when... Um, it comes into July. Yes, they're off on their holidays, and it's great to see. There's a there's a great buzz. Um, a lot of it's a very family orientated around Carlingford at the moment, which is fantastic. Um, a lot of sort of couples and things like that there. Um, just a really nice atmosphere, and everybody's out eating on the streets because uh, um, you're not let inside at the moment. Yes, um, it, it nearly feels like you're you're away with, with the <laughs> nice weather. You feel like you're away somewhere. Sure, I always feel like that when I'm in Carlingford. It feels continental and with the weather we're having at the minute, for sure. If you're up Carlingford Way, and many will be, call in and give Garrett a shout. Say hello to him there. He is the most wonderful yeah. designer. If, if, if anybody wants to um, to get any of the, the jewellery and support uh, the Irish Art Foundation, you go on to my website and have a look there or call into the shop as well. Mm-hmm. GarrettMallon.com That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T Mallon.com is yeah. the uh, website yeah. there. And if, you, if you're if you concerned about anything we're talking about today, uh, do get in touch with the Irish Heart Foundation as well. IrishHeart.ie is the email address there. You're fantastic and I, I wish you all the very best and uh, you're inspirational in the way, as you said, you just get on with it now and this is part and parcel of your life. Lives. May I wish you all well for the future and thank you, Gareth and Sarah, for joining us today to tell your story. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Jerry. Jerry, can I just say, if anyone is listening that does have long QT, um, there is a special support group for people with long QT and I actually chair it. So yep. there is a Facebook group and um, they can also get my number through the Irish Heart Foundation because I often talk to families um, or people that are just diagnosed. It's just good to have a sounding board. I haven't been through it myself. Yes. and I do it for other people so if anyone's listening out there there is a support group and to get in touch so that's Long QT on Facebook yeah uh, they do and to talk to the Irish Heart Foundation the Irish Heart Foundation they'll have the details as well good yeah. on you have a nice okay. day thanks for joining Thank us you. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Aren't they wonderful? Garrett and Sarah Mallon there speaking to me about long QT syndrome. 
Coolio, Gangsta's Paradise, and your late lunch this afternoon. I used to think that was a place in the States or somewhere. Not anymore. What an inspiring family, Jerry. It highlights the importance of communities having and knowing how to use defibrillators. I say here, here to that. And I was just thinking, how many golf clubs have defibrillators? How many sports clubs have them as well? I went up to see Drogheda and Dundalk last night. I was just thinking, I'm surely Drogheda United have won there. Dundalk have won in Oriel. I'm sure they have. But they should be there and they should be charged and people trained to use them. I say that again. Now, Louise, <laughs> here we go. Hi, Jerry. Wreck its blue bag. It was a small cube of a blue product in a muslin bag which was placed into the tub of water to whiten sheets, etc. My mother used it all the time years ago. Never heard about its benefit for wasp stings. Use vinegar with baking soda for the stings. That comes in from Morris Veal in sunny Bettistan this afternoon. Thanks, Morris, for your wise words. What do you say to that? Have you found it? Have I you? have found it. OK. Well, I've, what threw me off was that it's the Beckett's blue bag, but what threw me off off was any pictures I could find were um, were striped and mm. I don't remember the bag as striped as a child so mm. there was the one before that I found it on the internet and it's a vintage washing laundry records blue bag so it's the records blue bag for but sure yeah but this one is just a really it's just a bag and it's just and, and blue and oh, violet colour there's no stripes you know the way and many people are coming on to us uh, uh, and thank you indeed for the messages Matty has been on to say the blue bag was used to whiten nets um, to, uh, wash and whiten clothes says somebody else to whiten sheets says another listener how was it used on the sting do you remember I, I just remember mommy and my father used to sell them in the shop around where the laundry kind of products were that's how I remember yes and I just remember him and mammy at home using it if you got a wasp sting in the shop or at home they just get this and they just dip it in water and rub it on it yeah okay and, and I'll buy yeah. chocolate as well often helps you know? <laughs> it, it would help there's <laughs> but, uh, somebody else saying I suck the sting out and then use TCP oh. never do it the other way round <laughs> my God, imagine using the TCP first and then sucking out the sting. I do say to you again, and I'll tell you this, I know, a bee leaves a sting in, leaves the sting and it throbs. You can get the sting out. A wasp doesn't leave their sting. They survive. They jab you with the venom. Uh, so if, uh, getting it out, I, I, I'm not so sure. And somebody says, um, the, 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 uh, the blue bag only walk, works on bee stings. Said, said Susan to us. Mm. Well, there you go. Um, iodine. Iodine, says Kevin. Great man for the stings. Well, I remember the old iodine tablets and Joe Jacob. <laughs> Do you remember they sent them out? I mentioned it before years ago. If there was a nuclear explosion in the UK or an attack, <laughs> you'd have to take the iodine tablets and stay indoors. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and the government sent out a packet of tablets to everybody in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Banana Republic. Bob Geldof wasn't ever wrong and still isn't wrong at times yet. Do you remember? You don't remember the iodine tablets, no. do you? Yeah. Some people, people have them. Oh, people them anyway. No, you put them by and in the event of an attack there'll be a message on RTE News. Swallow your tablets now. I'm sure somebody took indoors. them for a headache <laughs> <laughs> or something if they really are stuck. I'm sure they did. Oh, be the Lord. If you can't laugh at yourself, what can you laugh at? I say it all the time, really. I do indeed. Anyway, you're with the Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon, the day after the longest day still to come on our show this afternoon. 
soon. We're going to be talking to Darren O'Brien soon. He's a camper van anorak. Is that what he's described as? He might not talk to me now, but he loves his camper van. He does. And as you know, staycations, the order of the day, camper vans, they're back in vogue big time. He's with us shortly. My artist of the week and this four day working week. What about it, folks? Four days a week to work. Woohoo! We're talking about that a little bit later on. Stay with us. We're in this mess, Jerry, because people, uh, because of people and their travel. More variants to come for sure on another plane into Ireland, uh, says a listener today. So somebody there saying that travel is the issue. We're talking to Paul Moyna about this a little earlier on. Is extreme tiredness a side effect from the AstraZeneca vaccine? I can tell you from experience, not me, but others close to me, that tiredness is one symptom after the uh, AstraZeneca vaccine for sure. Um, On the whole area of uh, stings, well, there's one. John, you have to tell me how you did it. How we could put it into operation, please. John says the best thing to deal with a sting, Jerry, is cow's urine. Now, how did you get the cow's urine, John? Maybe you'd just expand on that for us. I'd love to know. Just have a picture of John lying underneath the cow with a bucket and waiting for the moment of the flood. Maybe you got it in some other way. Did they sell cow's urine? Anyway, John, let us know. I want to hear about this cow's urine and stings on late lunch this afternoon. We move on on the show. Yes, staycations last year, this year again. It seems they're the order of the day. And there are lots of places around Ireland you can travel to. Wonderful campsites that will look after you so well. You can hire caravans there. You can stay B&B. You can pitch your tent. But a big surge, certainly, and this is no joking you, in the whole area of camper vans. And we have an enthusiast on the line from County Mead. Mr. Darren O'Brien is joining me today. Hello, Darren. Hi, how are you, Jerry? I'm really good. Great to talk to you again. Now, Louise called you an anorak. Yes, yeah, I am a bit of an anorak. I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind that. <laughs> I know I'm an anorak. I'm an anorak because of all things old Volkswagen. Ah, I'm listen. The camper van. Yes, we say it in the best possible taste. Yeah. We really do. Look, take us back again and remind our listeners, when did you first, you know, set your eyes on the Volkswagen camper? Take us back. Well, to be honest with you, it started as I was a kid. We always had a Volkswagen. Uh, my father always drove Volkswagen vans before the whole camper thing. And I always swore when I got older that one day I would have one. And really, the only way to go forward was to try and get my hands on a camper. So that's pretty much, it started very, very young. Mm. And I've always been interested in anything old Volkswagen, Beatles, vans, camper vans. But the camper van is the one that really, you know, allows you to do a lot of things. You know, you can you can drive it every day. You can, you can camp out it. You can go where you want. So... That's kind of where it started. And since then, the van I have now, the 1979 Volkswagen I have now, I have 20 years. It's 20 years in the family. Wow. It's a, it's, it, it's a veteran for sure, you know. And yeah, 79, absolutely. it was a manufactured in 79, and yeah. you have it over 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I have it now over 20 years. And I also have a 1974 or a 1967 Beetle as well. 
So it's, so it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> it's not. It's a great problem. Volkswagen, wonderful, wonderful cars yeah. and vans and everything else besides. Now, come back to this, Camper, because, you know, I, I know what you're talking about and I'm sure our listeners can envisage them today. They're quite a noise. Are they a noisy engine? Uh, they are a noisy engine because everything was, it's rear-engined and uh, yeah. pretty much, yeah, the, look, it's an old Beetle engine in mm. the back of a van. Mm. And you know what? They're not like they used to be. I mean, they're all decked out really, really, really well now. There's all sorts of um, padding out you can get for them. So they're not like they used to be back mm. in the day. Mm. We were used to having, you know, zero um, padding out on them when when you were look, talking about a Volkswagen Beetle. Or you were talking about just a van. Yeah. And it was just a big metal box. Mm. So that was different back then. But today, oh. they're well soundproofed out. Yes. You know? Yes, I know, and I, I've seen uh, um, recently jobs done and conversion jobs, and they're simply marvellous. Now, the Volkswagen—it's not the biggest, uh, you know. Yeah. And you don't mind me saying that camper in the world. How many people will it sleep? My one sleeps two adults and two kids, so the roof actually pops up. It's like a canvas. There's a yes. canvas roof, and that pops up, and then there's two long hammocks in the roof that roll out. So. Most of them were equipped for, like, two adults, two kids. Mm. Young kids, like, up to maybe the age of 10. Yes. That's really what they were for, you know. And did the little ones sleep in the roof section in the hammocks? Or is yeah. it, yes, and the yeah. adults are, are downstairs. Uh, now, I, straight away, I must ask you this. Surely there has to be a rule when you own a camper van that nobody snores. Well, you see, there's the thing, you know. Look, snoring... <laughs> It's just, by the way, you have to live with it. <laughs> you have to live with it. Look, you can always open the door, you know. Snoring's <laughs> sure not the only thing we worry about. <laughs> I'm sure not. I know. Listen, listen, I stay myself in a park when we're away fishing and that, and it's a race to get to sleep first, and then we discovered earplugs in recent years as well, so exactly. they certainly are a help. And, and, and within it as well, cooking facilities. What about bathroom facilities? No, do you go to a site where that's available to you? Yeah, we would really go to a site where that's available. Yes. Now, a lot of them do have, um, they do have their own little, small little toilets. Yes. It's set toilets that they bring with them, depending on how long you're away for. But most mm. of the time, we would go to a place that would have facilities. Yes. We've got, we've got fridge, cooker, we've got all the usual stuff that you would have in a camper van. Do you know what I mean? Because like, you have to think of where it came from. It really came from way back in the late 40s where... The, the camper van was created in Germany and it was one of those things where people could actually have their holiday and they could use it to go to work. Mm. So it was a bit of a double whammy and that's how it kind of created it. But it was it was a small, it was even smaller than it is today. It was a small little 60s, 60s hippie bus is what it was mm. back in the day. So, so really up until what we have today, we have amazing machines that are knocking around today. With, it's your whole house on wheels now. Yeah, I've, I've been in them. I've seen them. They are incredible what you can get now. And they're the bee's knees. And you'll pay some money for the top of the range. That's for sure. You, you say there that there was a combo use uh, where it came from, you know, to use in everyday life and then take away on a trip uh, wherever you yeah. go. And that's the point I wanted to ask you about. I, I know the size of yours, but the bigger ones and that, the practicality yeah. of, you know, say you have to drive into town and park it and go and get your shopping or that, or you know what I'm getting at. Is it practical? Yeah. Is it a really practical, you know, uh, mode of transport besides using it for the holidays now? 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. You see, the, the, the ones that are up to camper van size, you can do that, which is the size of a regular van mm. that was on the road and will fit in a regular parking yes. space. But outside of that, yeah, the, the, the awkwardness of having a big, big machine, like some of the big, massive ones that are only really fit for the roads in America, the, 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 around here, where we are, the roads and the boy roads that we have here, you want something that's going to go up the boreens. You want something that can take you off the beaten track yeah. and you can see the see the proper sites, you know, smaller beaches. And also, what, what we've been going through over the last year and a half, the amount of the surge in the camper van has been massive. I mean, I can't go out and someone wants to ask you, you is it for sale? Is it, would, you, would you rent it? Mm. But, but realistically, it's about us getting to see the rest of the country and the amount of people that have possibly over the years, you know, taken their usual two weeks in Spain, same probably two weeks every year, have never thought to actually see the rest of the country here. And now the camper van thing, because everybody couldn't fly, has gone through the roof. But people are getting to see parts of the country now that they've never seen. Yes. Yes, and and I I know that myself. I I, I hear the the bongos are rattling around the place as well, with people turning their attention to them. And I'm not surprised you've been made offers to rent or to buy. But he's not parting with this '79 uh, Volkswagen, one of the loves of his life. I take it you've been all around this country in this machine. Yes, yeah, we've been everywhere in the in the country in the machine. We've been over in the UK as well. I mean, I wouldn't go maybe much further than that because mm. we have to remember the age of it. Yes. But the one thing about the Volkswagen is if anything does happen or it does let you down, if, it, if you were on the side of the road in an old Volkswagen, you, somebody will stop. Mm. That's, a, that's a given, that's a guarantee. Someone will always want to help out, find out what they can do to get you, get you moving again. Yes. But, it's, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a great little community. And no matter where we drive them, they, they kind of make people smile. You know, you'd be driving through small towns and kids want to stop and wave at you. And it's just a, it's just a nice, it's a lovely feeling to be mm. out there driving them, you know. And I know from being a, a, on a campsite myself that uh, th- there's a there's a particular type of person, and there is a friendliness, and you meet people from all over the country, all over the world when the country is opened up as well. It's amazing what what it brings. Are, are you That's part it. of a Volkswagen group? Is there a formal, you know, enthusiast yeah. group? Yeah, yeah, it's called Type Two Ireland dot org, and what it is, Type Two Type comes from the word transporter. Yeah, and still, still to the present day, Volkswagen produced the Transporter. Mm. So, like, it came out back in you know, in 1949, and the Transporter today is still around and still the biggest uh, single model uh, camper conversion ever built is the Volkswagen. Mm. And basically, what the situation is now is it's just it's such a big thing to be into that everybody wants to be a part of it. So, if you go on to uh, type2ireland.org. Or air cooled. Air cooled is another one, and air cooled basically means that these Volkswagens, the older ones, they didn't have any water in them, so it's an air cooled engine. It's an old diesel engine, mm. and it's it's EIR as in Ireland. And if you want air cooled, you'll see it there too. But we, there's one thing I run, or we do, I should say, as a crew of us, we run a thing every October down in Kerry called Camp Fest, and the reason it's called Camp Fest is because it's in a small village called Camp. Mm. Just outside Trilly, and um, we run it. We run it every October. And last year, I mean, realistically, I don't know whether it should be in the Guinness Book of Records or not. But we were down on Inch Beach, and there was seventy-five Volkswagens in the line 
down on Inch Beach in last October. Not last October, obviously, the way things have gone, but the yeah. October prior to that. Yes. And it's an amazing sight to see all these all these guys together. Mm. And it's every different type of person from, you know, from whoever you you, you might think, you know, from... Yeah. So there's guards, you know, uh, small families, guys who want to deck them out and drop them on the ground and have them going fast. It doesn't really matter. It, it brings a lot of different people together. Yeah, it does. It's a friendly community. That's all it is. Mm, mm. And do you do you have a, a set program uh, when you know you can travel, or would you just on a whim go somewhere, or do you have a plan with this, or is that the beauty of it that you can just decide yeah, on a whim? I'm, I'm going. Yeah, it's a bit of both, really, because that's what, you know going back to what you were talking about there with some of the bigger camper vans. They're they're amazing, but the thing is, we can just jump in and go on a whim because. I, I will only take up a parking space. So there's a very good chance if I was, say, to head up to Carlingford, you know, and head in through, the, there's a small little place up in Carlingford there, and you can go in there, pay a, a small fee, and it's all just parking spaces. But there's a very good chance that I'm going to get in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Quicker than a guy who, who turns up with something twice the size of what I'm driving. Mm. Yeah, and no. then there's the other thing too with what's after happening around the country over the last say you know 18 months I mean everybody else is thinking about doing this and there's, there's a change to a lot of people's business too I mean I have been in contact with a couple of different people who own pubs and they now are putting in electrical points there's one actually not too far from me now who's putting in electrical points at the back of the pub now to introduce and bring camper vans in to stay overnight in the car parks. An opportunity, so, yes. A new, absolutely, yeah. A I mean, new the, the, opportunity yeah. and, a, and it's a sign of the times as well. Darren, look, I have to leave it there today. It's great right. to talk to somebody who's so passionate. I wish you happy camper vanning and to everybody else this summer time and I'm sure we will be chatting again on the show. You've been great. Volkswagen's your man. Thanks, Darren. Exactly. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Talk. Thanks for your time. Thank you indeed. There's Darren O'Brien, camper vans. Well, there you have it, folks. It's another option to think about. David Carey, one of our great friends. You are a star, David Carey. He has the tablets, the iodine tablets, the Joe Jacob tablets, still in the envelope, addressed to Mr. David Carey, Grattanstown, Drogheda County Loud, unopened. It says, uh, National Emergency Plan for Nuclear Accidents. Or sorted. A couple of tablets. Potassium iodide tablets. This envelope contains a medicinal product and should only be opened by an adult. David Fairjuice, yeah. And David says in the message, I'm ready, Jerry. <laughs> God bless us. David has the tablets. I'm sure many people have as well. They really, really do. Anyway, when a little bee sting or a wasp thing, it's amazing what it prompts. That, uh, be pantoseptic uh, cream. Many people messaging us about this to say it is the replacement for germaline and it's fantastic if you get a sting. Thanks for all your messages. Too numerous to mention all the names, but you're great. You really are great. Love you for it. Still to come on Late Lunch today, the Blondie story continues and a four-day working week. What do you think? We're going to be talking about it after three o'clock, but taking us to news, weather and sport at three. It's Christina Perry. Take one more step towards you. We were talking about cures for stings, wasp stings or bee stings, whatever you like, from the little critters. And uh, John mentioned cow urine. Well, we got a WhatsApp in. You'd have to see it to believe it. There's a guy 
washing himself. He's washing his hair and his body in cow's urine. And yes, he is. He's right under the cow as the cow is doing you know what. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Enough said. <laughs> anyway, it's brilliant. Whoever you are, send it in to us. Thanks indeed for sending it to us on the LMFM WhatsApp. Now, my artists of the week this week are Blondie. The story continues with the release of their third album, Parallel Lines. In September 1978, Blondie finally established themselves in America, their hometown. The first two singles from that album, Picture This and Hanging on the Telephone, were big hits in the UK again and Europe. But it would be the song I played yesterday, one of my favourites of Blondie, Heart of Glass, from that album that was a worldwide success, making number one in the UK and America. It was released in the spring of 79. And listen to this, it sold 20 million copies. Wow, one of the biggest sellers, one of their biggest sellers for sure. Uh, Blondie were featured then on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. They'd made it at that stage when you made the cover there. And Debbie Harry, lead singer, was now the face and voice of the band, with the rest really largely ignored. Are we surprised? How to follow parallel lines. That was the big conundrum for Blondie then. Eat to the Beat did. It was album number four in late 79. It was well received, but not nearly as successful chart or sale-wise for the band. And today, I'm going to go back to parallel lines and the treasure trove of hit singles from that album. And a follow-up to Heart of Glass. It was written by guitarist Christine about Debbie's pet cat who was called Sunday Man. This one's about a girl. Talk about confusion. Ah, class is permanent, isn't it? For sure. Blondie and Sunday Girl. Yes, the cat was called Sunday Man. <laughs> they named the song Sunday Girl. <laughs> Unbelievable indeed. Uh, confusion in Excel says. And it was a great one, isn't it? And uh, still today just uh, brings a smile to my face and joy and have you hopping around the place, wouldn't it? Yes, Blondie, my artist of the week. We continue their story with uh, more tomorrow on the show and another cracking song from the group. Late Lunch LMFM Radio. Put something to you. If you had the option tomorrow to work a four-day week, four days, three days off, three days rather than the two traditional, what days would you take? Would you take a Monday or a Friday to, you know, combine with the weekend? Would you rather have a day in the middle of the week if that were possible? Or what would you do? How would you work this if you were given the option? And here's the option. A four-day week with no drop in pay. No loss of pay in the four-day week. Well, we're going to talk next to Tom Cranley. He's from the ICE Group. And they have been working a four-day week since 2019, before the pandemic. And we're going to see how it's been working out for Tom and the Ice Group. Stay with us. Now, we're all familiar with job sharing. Working from home has become a big thing, of course, in the last 15 months or so. But what about a four-day week full stop? 
you know, five days is the traditional working week. Many people are busy and work more, but five is sort of the standard. Will a new pilot programme for employers to test the effectiveness of a four-day working week for staff with no loss of pay is being launched today. It's a six-month experiment and it's organised by Four Day Week, uh, an Irish campaign, uh, which claims it can deliver positive results for business and for employees in terms of work life balance. Well, let's find out how it's been working for the ICE Group in Galway. I'm joined by their marketing manager, Tom Cranley. Good afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Not at all. I'm delighted and I'm curious, really curious to speak to you this afternoon. Let's go back to 2019 and uh, your company. Why did you go down this road? Yeah, um, I suppose uh, I wasn't one of the decision makers at the time. I was as shocked as everyone else when we got the announcement from our directors, but um, I think the reasoning behind it was we wanted to um, give something back to our hardworking team. You know, like we do our best in training and recruitment and services to help other people. So our bosses wanted to give us something back, which, you know, the reward was a three-day weekend. That was kind of the way it was described to us. So, um, so once we we did our trial and everything like that and we got through it, it's now become the way of work for us permanently. So... A few questions on this. I take it you're a five-day operation and more besides the way business works out of hours now and into the weekends. Is this staggered with the employees that you have, you know, people are there working through five days or perhaps more? Yeah, of course. Um, We were always five days, nine to half five. And with the change to a four-day week, we did have a little bit of adapting with our teams. But in actual effect, we've increased our opening hours and our availability to our customers and clients. So we have two different patterns, uh, Monday to Thursday or Tuesday to Friday. Um, and within those two patterns, there's two more patterns. Even you can start at eight and finish at half five or start at nine and finish at half six. So, you know, different people's schedules will work better for, for everyone else. But mine is Monday to Thursday, eight to half five. Um, and then the other person on my team will be working until Friday um, at half five. So we're we're fully covered. And if anything, we've actually added 10 hours of um opening hours to our system um, because because of the split in the team. Um, but we're all there together during the day, you know, between the Tuesdays and Thursdays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So there's no loss of connectivity. There's no loss of, there's definitely no loss of productivity because that's increased um, and we're more available to our clients. Isn't this all positive? I can uh, see your inboxes there being inundated with people yeah. <laughs> looking to uh, join uh, with, with, with all the kudos you, you tell us about that this has brought both to the business and, and, and from an employee's p- point of view as well. And, and no reduction in pay. No reduction in pay, no. So um, we do, so instead of doing the five days and the, you know, the normal 39 hour week is what we had, uh, we do a 36 hour week over four days. So instead mm. of an eight hour day, we do a nine hour day. Mm. Um, so the three hours there, you know, we're, if anything, we got a little bit of a pay rise, you know, for working the less hours. But, yes. Um, you know, there was no need to, to decrease our pay because our outputs and our productivity didn't drop. Mm. So the company didn't lose anything there and we benefited by taking you know, a three-day weekend, as we call it. You know, I, I'm off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so there, there's no downside in that regard. Yes. Um, and it's it's just for people to, to see that. You know, it's, it's, there's um, there's always a no because, but we can look for the yes if as well. 
Yes, and, and look, at that's understandable that there would have to be the extra hour there as well uh, uh, to make up. But it is, you're right, in effect, it is a pay rise because pay uh, rates have, uh, haven't uh, been changed and, and, and still apply. What about, uh, you know, leave allocation and, and stuff like that? No change there either. Um, it took a bit of a dafting, I suppose. You know, you can't just say you have 20 days off and you're after getting 40, um, you know, extra yes. days off in the year. But um, we just adapted it to four weeks. You know, four weeks is kind of the standard, Yes. Um, you know, annual leave for most companies. So we just adapted it to that. Yeah. Uh, and we, it's it's not too complicated, but, you know, like there's little intricacies here and there where mm. in our company, in Ice Group, we, we, we always work a four-day week, put it that way. So... Like, I work Monday to Thursday, but if there's a bank holiday Monday, I'll work that Friday to still make it a four-day week. Yes. Um, which is nice in a way, because I'll get a four-day weekend on a bank holiday. But um, then, you know, the following one, I'll do two two-day weekends, and that's fine. Mm, mm. And I noticed as well, I just mentioned it a little while ago on the show, you either opt to have the Monday off or the Friday, and that then extends into give a full three days either side of the weekend, which which is the the best way, of course, to, to work it. But coming yeah. back to your yourselves, and you are an employee, of course, there, huge benefits. Like, do you see it? Do you actually see it? You've said to me that productivity is up. Are people happier? Do you do you believe this is a model that can succeed, uh, you know, after this pilot scheme works its way through over the next year or so uh, elsewhere? Yeah. Absolutely, Jerry. As I say, like we're two years in now. Like as in the first of July, we'll be two years in. So um, next week or the week after there, um, and I know myself. Obviously, you know everyone's had a few struggles in the last year and not being able to go places. But um, you know, when we could do things like that, we were able to move around and see our families, spend more time with people. Um, but during the whole lockdown side of things, like from a personal point of view, like our work, my work was just as busy as it ever was. Um, but my personal side then, you know, I was able to go back to college. I had, you know, I, I was never a 1-1 student, but somehow after getting this extra time, I came away with a 1-1 from UL yesterday. Well done. Um, thanks. But, uh, you know, and I take that as a major positive because I would have been trying to, if I was working five days, I would have been trying to use my evenings and my weekends and everything like that. But having the Friday there to kind of, you know, dedicate to it effectively, mm. um, you know, it, it did make a big difference. And then, other things like I would describe as life admin, you know, things like going to the bank or getting your shopping done. Or in my case, I had a bit of rehab for a sports injury. You know, I was able to get good times to go to physio and things like that, you know, just by having that the Friday off rather than trying to do it in the evenings or the weekends where you'd you'd prefer to relax, you know. Mm. And I'm sure it works for your, your company. The people listening to us today say, well, it, it may not work in my particular situation. And we understand that as well. But there's a quite a wide application, I'm sure, here across the board to many, many companies. Uh, the last year as well, just before you go, have you, have you worked the homework thing as well that people have been working from home primarily? And, and has that worked okay for you? I have, Jerry. yeah. As, you know, we were lucky enough that having set ourselves up for the four-day week, we were... Um, we were pretty sorted with technology, you know, like we knew um, when people are working in different places, you know, because we've got offices all across Galway, Limerick, Sligo, Dublin, um, Athlone, uh, you know, we've got people in different places. We're used to the remote element of it. Um, so, yeah, me, me working from the kitchen table or the spare room for a while, um, it was just a, a small adaptation. Um, but the whole, the whole rest of the ICE team, you know, we've, we've coped pretty well with it. 
it's great to hear. All positive all the way uh, in ICE in Galway, the ICE group in Galway. Look, I appreciate you taking time. I'm sure you're in the man today with this. Uh, is a very prominent news story and it's uh, doing the rounds. I thank you for taking time, Tom. And obviously you could because of the way you work and the wonderful company you have there. Sure, you fit into it. No bother. Tom, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jerry. Take care. Bye now. That's Tom Cranley there, marketing manager with the Ice Group in Galway. A four-day week. Louise, what do you think? Have you an opinion on the four days? What's your your views on... on, on, I've already asked Mr. (laughs) Honey, job's going. (laughs) I knew that. I I bet you like people, I'd say that company now are really in uh, in focus now, you know, with with this uh, uh, test time for the next year happening. Um, Three days. God almighty, you can just dream of it, can't you? Mm. Three days off. Four days most people like on a Friday are a bit of a down a download anyway like. so I'd say they would they would be more productive would, if you offer them a four day week then someone Definitely. would say so it'll be a download on a Thursday no, then it'll they just move it back a day because always pull it like yeah there's always that threat yeah yeah well anyway it's 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 a fact it's happening there's a, a a big study on this beginning it's been implemented in a number of companies across Ireland and we're not just the only ones it's happening in the US UK and New Zealand the four day week global group are uh, seeing how this is going to work. So what's this space? Look at life is changing all the time. Who would have thought how many of us or so many of us could work from yeah. home in the last 15 months and look what's happened. Anything is possible. Now you have to say there are a few extra hours there, of course. And, uh, you know, it's a quid pro quo, but overall you'll have the three days for perhaps an extra hour for the four days you're in there. We thought Peter was gone. He's back, <laughs> Louise. Look at him. Hello, Peter. Hello. We thought you were gone had disappeared off the planet we thought you'd got the jab and you know you're gone on holidays <laughs> Peter <laughs> good man great to hear from you haven't time to read it today but I'll get back to it I promise you my old buddy's back oh that's a relief to finish this Tuesday coming up on the show tomorrow David Goff yes the All-Ireland referee is with us to talk about a number of his friends who've taken their lives because they weren't able to come out. Uh, We are also hearing a lovely story about Bessie's birthday card. She's 100 soon and we're talking about it on the show tomorrow and Dave Turner will be with us as well. Dave, uh, a great man in the community uh, with uh, senior citizens in the Drogheda area. Uh, My Artist of the Week and more besides. Eddie Caffrey is coming next with The Drive and Cruise. Stay with us here on, on LMFM Radio for some wonderful music and more besides over the next couple of hours. We'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday, midweek, late lunch, 1.30. Have a nice evening. We'll see you then. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have the biggest range of light commercials in the Northeast with same-day business finance. So let our van specialist, Danny, find a commercial vehicle to suit your requirements. See blackstonemotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 